Today's podcast is brought to you by the American Society of Human Genetics, supporting scientific discovery, education, and advocacy by human genetics specialists worldwide. From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is CQ Now, your nonpartisan news source for how the inside workings of Congress and the federal government shape the real world. The United States alliance with Japan is one of the most important and least understood of all U.S. national security relationships, and it's being redefined by China's economic clout and territorial ambitions, North Korea and its nuclear weapon threats, and by Russia's saber rattling. The parameters may become clearer this week when President Obama travels to Japan for the G7 summit, where Japan is expected to highlight the regional leadership role it wants. I'm Adriel Bettelheim, joined by CQ foreign affairs reporter Rachel Oswald. Rachel, with terrorism fears in the Middle East, a potential new Cold War starting up with Russia, why is the United States even focusing on the comparatively calmer Asia-Pacific region? Well, Adriel, it's useful to keep in mind that, as you said, even as uh, conflicts in Eurasia and the Middle East continue to be hot, the long-term 21st century strategic strategic interests for the United States lie in the Asia-Pacific. I had the opportunity to go there in February for a little reporting, and I was reminded by some of the officials I was interviewing, you know, about the fact that so much of the economic growth for the world is slated to come out of the region. The four out of 10 of the United States' biggest trading partners are in the Asia-Pacific, including Japan, the third largest economy in the world, China, the second largest economy in the world. These are assuring that the South China Sea remains open as an international strategic waterway will be critical to ensuring that uh, global trade is allowed to continue without threat. Another thing that's uh, useful to keep in mind is that even as people in Tokyo are concerned about these rising threats from North Korea and China, what they're most immediately concerned right now is by the U.S. presidential election. I was repeatedly asked while I was in Japan about the chances of Donald Trump being elected. This is something that is of serious concern to many in Japan. The way he questions the utility of the U.S.-Japan alliance has rattled a lot of people. So what are some of the changes emerging with the United States-Japanese alliance? Well, in the last year, uh, the United States and Japan updated their bilateral defense guidelines in a way that allows Japan to partner in a greater range of areas with the United States, including providing logistical support to the United States that they previously would not provide. Japan also passed a package of defense laws last year that officially reinterpreted the post-World War II pacifistic constitution to now allow for, quote, collective self-defense, which means that in a moment of crisis, Japan could come to the defense of an ally, namely the United States. Some in Congress, like Senator John McCain, have been very critical of President Obama's so-called Asia pivot, calling it hollow. Is that a fair criticism or no? Well, there have been real developments on the Asia pivot. We've seen the updating of the Japan alliance is one major part of that. We are concluding base agreements with the Philippines, with Australia. Things are happening quickly right now with Vietnam. So those are real developments happening. And a goal of having 60% of U.S. naval and Air Force assets deployed to the region by 2020 is still on track. But the criticism comes because we're not seeing dividends from that pivot. The pivot was designed to contain North Korea, 
hopefully get North Korea back to the negotiating table and to contain China. And that hasn't happened. We've seen both countries become more aggressive and more belligerent. Now, on this trip, President Obama's stop in Hiroshima is being heralded by arms control advocates as an opportunity to uh, revive the goal of total nuclear disarmament. Some are also hoping it'll lead to a greater reexamination of the 1945 U.S. bombings. This is pretty sensitive ground for a president to tread on, right? It really is. This is this is one of the biggest sensitive spots for American history. Um, and the way we've historically talked about the atomic bombings is that they were militarily justified on the grounds that they prevented the United States. The United States did not have to invade Japan and saved, according to the old estimates, hundreds of thousands, perhaps a million lives. But that contention has been increasingly called into question by not just American historians, but by European and Japanese historians who now have the advantage of documents from the Soviet, Japanese, and U.S. archives. And they can see that that wasn't the analysis at the time and that actually uh, Harry Truman was hoping to prevent the Soviet Union from seizing more, more Asian territory because they were already looking ahead to the Cold War. But Americans are still very sensitive about this issue and the way we teach it in our schools and even the way we teach it in our official museums like the Smithsonian is still very much hampered by this old viewpoint that it was military justified and therefore morally appropriate. Now, Russia is a major player in the whole Asian Pacific calculus. Uh, you write this week in CQ magazine that the military brass is singling out Russia ahead of Iran and North Korea and even the Islamic State as the greatest security threat to the United States. We're seeing Congress boost spending on something called a European Reassurance Initiative. Are, are we really on the brink of another Cold War-style arms race? Well, I don't think we can return to the Cold War-style arms race where we're trying to go missile to missile with them. And even, even during the actual Cold War, we were winning the missile race. We didn't know it, but we were. Russia spends a little over one-tenth what the United States spends annually on its military. But that doesn't mean that they haven't made very targeted strategic improvements in their military capabilities where they are looking for U.S. Achilles heels, NATO Achilles heels that they can exploit to the maximum. So that is happening, particularly in the areas of cyber warfare, um, submarines, um, cruise missiles. So I think we can expect to see more U.S. spending in those areas to try and account for these weaknesses that we've seen that Putin is looking to exploit. CQ foreign affairs reporter Rachel Oswald on geopolitics and the Asia-Pacific region ahead of President Obama's trip to Japan. I'm Adriel Bettelheim. Thanks for listening. Until next time, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at CQ Now, and you can download our podcasts on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher.